Welcome to the Are We Still Here podcast, where we talk about what really matters for you and your own health and fitness. I'm Jess. And I'm Sasha. And each week we'll come to you with a no-nonsense topic, which will make you challenge your own thoughts and ask, are we still here? Don't forget to like, share and subscribe if you're enjoying the podcast. And let's get to today's pod. Hello, hello. Morning, morning. Well, afternoon, wherever, whatever time of day you're listening to this. Welcome to episode 75, Q&A special. Um, one of the clients wanted to do a, wanted us to do a Q&A. We have done Q&As before. Yeah, um, as requested by the listeners. Yeah, we have done them before. Um, but I think every, every so often it's good to, to throw one in there. Um, I've got some good questions. I know Jess has. I've got them in front of me now. Um <clears throat> So should we just fire away? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, well, let's, uh, Jess, you do a question first and you don't have to say who it's from, but um, might be useful to say whether it's from um, a friend or a follower or something like that. I'm just going to keep him anon because I said on my story I was going to keep him anon. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Let's go go anon then. Um, Has Sasha hunted down the DHL man and is he okay? Question number one. You know what? Why is that a non? I'm keeping it a non because I promised. Do you want to explain your story before we get into the serious fitness questions? Look, I ordered something off DHL. Uh, Dan waited in for it and then they said they attempted delivery and they didn't. And then it went back to the warehouse and I was just fuming. And it, it's not because I had to wait two more days to get it because it was Friday. It was, I hate the, the dishonesty around. I hate like that they've yeah, yeah. lied and just thought. So when I called up the HL, he was like, oh, there's no calling card. I was like, no, mate, there's no calling card because they were never here because it was yeah, Friday yeah. and they wanted to go down the pub with the lads and have a beer and they wanted an early dart. So no, there's no calling card, mate, because no one ever came. And he was like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. I'll, I'll find a do a formal complaint or whatever I said fucking damn right you will that happened to me when we moved into our house last year because our road was a newly built road but it was an extension of an existing road it was previously it was like a little cul-de-sac and then they've made it a longer road and built our house on it and uh the delivery driver said yeah we attempted delivery and I was like no you didn't though (laughs) and they were like yeah but there's no houses down there I was like but you didn't even look because there is houses down that road now (laughs) (laughs) I know they're under a lot of pressure to deliver as many things as they can in a day. But you know what? I'd rather get an email saying, look, we ran out of time today. Can we deliver on Monday? Of course you can. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Don't fucking lie to me. Absolute scumbags. Yeah. Anyway, next question. <laughs> if you work for DHL, I'm not sorry in any way, shape or form. Um, question. Highest and lowest moments in coaching so far? Hmm. You go first. I actually, I sent you a joke one yesterday, and then since haven't actually thought much about it. <laughs> I need to come up with mine now. See, I wouldn't say there was a there was high or low moments as such. I would more say there's high and low um, phases, or you know, like you you could have a, a a high three months and then a low three months. I wouldn't say that there isn't like a moment like a single moment that's stuck with me that is like horrendous or one moment in particular that's um I don't know 
really, really good. It's kind of like you go through stages, isn't it? Yeah, I do think, and, and, and also it's difficult to just say about coaching, isn't it? Because also what you're going through at periods in your life then can reflect in how not you would like to say oh it doesn't reflect how I am in business of course you're still going to deliver a professional service but you how you feel within yourself could have made that the lowest point do you know what I mean because you were like oh I was in a bad place so I felt a little bit low there whereas it couldn't have been anything to do with coaching per se but it could just be yeah just like like you say a phase in your life um I don't know I, I would say um have you got some that spring to mind I would say a good, um, again, like I said, I don't think I have one, but a few good things. Um, When I first went self-employed and I planned for about a week how I was going to ask my clients if they'd come with me to a new gym um, that was going to lead to me being self-employed. And I remember just thinking, right, I'll say this, I'll say this. If they say this, I'll say this. And I was like literally planning it for about a week. And, um, And then when I sat down with them, literally they were just like, okay so next week I'll just meet you here there instead of here and I was like yeah and they were like sweet okay see you next week and I was like (sighs) (laughs) and I did that and the thing is I did that after three months and then another three months so I did it twice in a year so that's when I was really scared so I was like fucking hell I only just moved them three months ago and now I've got to move them again so I was like uh you know what we did three months ago so we got a new address for you (laughs) (laughs) um again but then throughout those two times I didn't lose anyone so and like and I've been in that third gym for so many years now and they are all pretty much still training with me from day one so it's um it's nice to know that they value you to a point where they are more than willing to go to a different gym to Mm. support you um, that's definitely a good one but again that was years ago so um I don't know another good thing I think is if when you've been working for, with someone for a really really long time so when you again this isn't no um no shade to any newish clients at all but when you first start working with someone as, as a coach the people do tend to be like super super in it for the initial period right because it's not because of the person their personality that they have but it's new isn't it mm. of course you know compliance all good um booking the calls dead early like just really really like into it into it asking loads of questions being dead curious great but that's very normal but when a client is still when a client is still being dead curious and sending messages and figuring out stuff and um, progressing loads and just like still like that a couple of years in, I feel like that if we're talking about good um, moments in coaching, that always feels nice to me because it just shows that they are invested in something that's bigger than something small at the beginning, you know? So I, I do, I like, I do like that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. 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 Coaches listening will relate to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think so as well. And and I think um 
I think it's, it's when you talk about like the highest moments in coaching, I think we're all guilty, aren't we, of, of how many times do we see it where people skim over <clears throat> the things we're celebrating and mm-hmm. instead focus on like constantly what they can do better. Like, oh, I can do this better. I could be better at this. I could do whatever. So actually when you pause and you reflect and you go like what was maybe a highlight of coaching so far, it's it's maybe reflecting on like how you've grown as a person. Yeah. And it's 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 not necessarily being able to pinpoint one specific moment, but instead look at like how you've grown. And, and Sasha and I regularly say, um, if you're not kind of looking back every six months or a year and cringing a little, then you're not growing growing enough, really. Um, and I and I really feel like I, I do that regularly. I just think, oh god, I would do that so different now, and yeah. I feel like I'm in a much better place, and I've learned so much more, and constantly evolving. Um, and that's that's only a good thing. Um, I would also say, like a highlight for me was 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 going self-employed in the pandemic. Like that was a really scary leap of faith, but it paid off. So it was it was a highlight in my coaching career because it was like, right, I'm doing this. I'm going all in after about two years of trying to juggle another job and and do other things. It was like actually taking that leap to go into it. Um, I don't think we can pinpoint a specific client or anything like that because there's too many there's too many good things isn't there that come from it but like you say that when people realize that it's a process and and they get into the to the the depths of that and they realize like those initial feelings of very similarly to like running when you start out in a race and you'll see the people who like set off really quick really eager really keen and then (laughs) sort of few miles down the road and they're absolutely flagging because they've gone out the gates too quick and yeah. you're just there like I'm ready I'm just keep ch- I'm just gonna keep going at my pace and keep like just running yeah. along doing my thing um it's it's that sort of analogy with people who come into fitness and they, obviously we're all keen and excited to start things new that's very normal and natural but to then settle into it that's the oh yeah okay I'm, I'm here now I'm 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 like just enjoying this process for what it is and it takes as long as it takes for whatever you need to achieve whatever that goal looks like um and that's another reason why we can't put um time frames on a lot of things as well isn't it yeah no definitely um low points I think mine was probably the opposite of yours Jessica my lowest point was probably coming back from Saudi and coming back into UK lockdown with a business that did not yet exist. Um, I had a few clients that contacted me. Um, so obviously we couldn't do one-to-one then. So my one-to-one clients were like, yeah, yeah, you know, with the minute the gym opens, we're back. So, but I couldn't. So um, I'd had some online clients, but maybe a small handful. And it was just, for me, it was, um, I remember calling Math actually when I was in Italy and just thinking like, I feel like I've got no purpose or drive or just, I don't know, I just felt really like in nothing. And luckily, obviously I was very lucky. I was in Middle East, so I had some money behind me. So it wasn't necessarily earning no money. It was, it was a horrible feeling when you're self-employed, not earning any money, but it's, I had some to keep me going anyway so that was fine um but yeah that was probably the 
a low point for me just being like wow I had like such a successful business before I went and I did really well over there and um then coming back and just had nothing I kept like second guessing myself and thinking like should I have gone why you know what I wonder why why did I leave and there must have been something to make me leave and now I got nothing and (laughs) yes but then you got all that time as well to think about it if I was busy I probably wouldn't have even thought about it but like right shit crack on thingies then at nine gotta go but um it wasn't like that it was like right six hours to kill (laughs) Mm. so yeah I think that was my definitely my low point how about your what was your low point Jess? I think we've spoken about it before but um, similarly with like fitness sometimes you maybe go down a path that you think's right at the time maybe it's a diet maybe it's a trend maybe it's trying out a new hobby or whatever it is and you try it even like related to anything relationships career whatever you, you give something a go because it feels like it's the right thing at the time yeah. but then it you realize it was it was wrong um so with me I kind of probably took self in a direction that I don't actually think was the right decision now but it did teach me valuable lessons but I think at at one point I felt very in a very different place because it was almost like my own judgment which I always thought was right (laughs) was proven to be wrong and it was like it knocked my confidence a little bit in regards to um the coach that I wanted to be, how I wanted to take um, my business in the future. And I felt like probably probably the best description is just a little bit lost, which is like what you said, right? Like like that period of time, like it, it felt low because it was like, it felt, I felt lost. There was like a, a lack of direction and where I'd previously felt really confident in what I was doing and where I was taking self and what I was doing here, whatever. Um, it, it almost kind of like put a, a bit of a roadblock in place that I couldn't get past for whatever reason and, and we talk we talk a lot at the time about like those speed bumps are normal and da, 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 with fitness it's, you can't expect them not to come but when you're in it as we all can relate <clears throat> sometimes it feels like you're like how how can I get around this like what where am I going what am I supposed to do um it's been it's been a process and I, and I think this there's still always like that discovery of like am I doing the right thing is this going in the right place? What do I need to do? Um, but yeah, it was it was a steep learning curve, I think. And um, what was the thing that made you go, yeah, this isn't right? Was there a moment? Was there? A- I, think, I think for me, I, I felt like I was um, misaligned with a lot of clients. So um, I think I got told, um, like I think as well, like we've said before, sometimes as well when you're maybe a bit newer to the fitness industry and a bit naive you do what you what everybody else is doing or you do what um maybe people who are further along say oh you need to do this you need to do that and you do it and then you go that wasn't right for me though and you then start working with people that aren't right for you and that alignment piece is 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 so key and I don't think I necessarily knew realized that as much until I'm kind of like further down that road I always just thought well and, and and Sasha and I can both relate to this but it's in our nature to want to help everybody <laughs> almost so it's it's kind of realizing that you can't help everybody and actually there's a select number of people who are probably much better suited for you and that's okay and that's fine um and I think that was just like a bit of a hard pill to swallow to start with but 
in turn has made me enjoy being a coach so much more because I'm actually working with people who get what I'm about yeah um, so yeah cool okay that was that question next question uh, Jess question from you so um as Brené fans so Brené Brown if anyone who doesn't know is a American author podcaster lecturer um she did a really famous talk on uh, TEDx about vulnerability and she's also talks a lot about like leadership um she's got some amazing books both of um there's like there's quite a lot um and recently both Sasha and I have, have read a few uh, different ones but um anyway the question is um how uh, as Brené fans what is the most powerful thing you've both learned from her work um and I think why we probably gravitated towards her so much is she's an empath. She talks about a lot of things that are relatable to coaching. She also talks to a lot of a lot of things that relate to self-development. So if any of those are things, things are your cup of tea, you'll probably like her too. And I could definitely recommend. Yeah. So for me, um, obviously, I very recently read uh, Atlas of the Heart. I read it very quickly. I, it was one of those books where I'm like, one more chapter, one more chapter before I go to sleep. And I absolutely adored it. And I think um, one of the quotes she says from there, because obviously we talk a lot about, well, in fact, not just us, but everyone talks about boundaries and it can become quite a, oh, you know, one of those things that everyone talks about so much, but no one actually understands or puts them in place. Mm. Um, and she says, uh, she says boundaries are basically saying, yeah, I, I love you, but I love me more. And I think that in if you're self-employed and I've, I've got a few clients that run their own businesses, they're really successful, but they will allow their own business. They will serve their business. Their business won't serve them. And they will do things and say yes to things that they know deep down they shouldn't be. Um, but just because they are worried that they will not please the people that they're working with. Um, so from Atlas of the Heart, I absolutely loved that. And also in Atlas of the Heart, she goes through, I think it's 87 emotions she explains in depth. And some mm. of them are like, well, yeah, that makes sense, you know. But some of them, um, you, you don't realise how much that emotion is something that you relate to until you literally read a whole page about it and you're like, Oh, like I was saying to Jess that tranquility came up and before when I would think about tranquility I would think relaxing I would think like I don't know in the bath or I don't know sat next to a pool but but the essence of tranquility is looking at the next few hours of your life or whatever and knowing that there is not one thing that you absolutely have to do and it's about just having that complete freedom in your own mind and when I read that I was like oh my god I was like that is the one thing that if I don't have any of that in the day that's when I start to feel anxious so it made me realize that tranquility for me is so important that I have to have it no matter what which is totally fine um one more thing for me and then Jess can do her answer but was probably empathy uh not necessarily from this book because I've read a lot about Brene Brown and empathy in our work, uh, mass, 
probably taught me this as well is that you have to practice you have to otherwise the business will destroy you and it will stop uh detached caring so um they always uh, well Brene says uh, empathy is about understanding where that person is and how they got there and their experience but not involving yourself in it to the point where you put yourself in that person's shoes too much um so yeah if someone tells you something pretty tough in coaching um you know really hard situation that you've never been in and you can't even imagine it it's about not allowing that um situation to affect your life because you know help if you're sinking in the ship with them so yeah I would say values with emotions tranquility and, and knowing what you need as an individual and also practicing empathy not sympathy and detached caring mm. god there's so many though isn't there like God, I, yeah. I could do a whole podcast on it but yeah she's, she's, very, she's very good yeah and I think like if you like we said if you're into self-development if you're into um even just understanding a bit more about like psychology or like why we behave the way we do she, she's amazing for that um I recently read uh Daring Greatly which is a really good book she's got so many but um some of the things that st- stood out for me uh were where she talks about a lot of us like go through this feeling of like never feeling like we're enough and it's it's almost just like a really nice acknowledgement to realize that everybody feels this way in some way shape or form I think we always think we're like the anomaly like oh god why do I why am I like this why why does everyone else seem like they're so confident or know what they're doing and she talks about like this never feeling like we're good enough and especially being prominent with women and um it often comes down to like shame of gosh I'm like embarrassed that I'm not a good enough partner or I'm not being a good enough mum like the mum guilt thing that we hear frequently or um I'm not to standard in work or whatever it might be and feel like you're letting people down in loads of different areas and for women a lot of it comes down to like shame essentially and then for men on the other side what I found really interesting was like their feeling of not feeling good enough is it makes them feel like weak or like they're broken it's not necessarily that they're ashamed of it but it makes them feel like they're they're vulnerable in their own way because it make it like shows weakness um and I just found that really fascinating how it appears in both instances but she that she then kind of comes up with strategies of how you can combat this feeling um whether it's through uh like practices of like gratitude or other things and um I just found that really interesting to to acknowledge that we're all in a, in the same boat on that one um what she also said in in that one that I really liked was um about embracing learning over knowing and I think we talk about it a lot with fitnesses everyone wants absolutes and facts and it to be 100% certain if I eat this many calories for eight weeks then I will be this point and it's like yeah there's an element of science to it of course there is but it's not that simple like what happens when you've got a lot on at work and you struggle to get an extra meal in that day or what happens when you um end up uh like more tired than normal because your kids up in the night or something and you feel more hungry the next day do you not acknowledge that or what happens if you spend a full day 
rushing around looking after somebody and you don't even get two minutes to sit down and what all these things so it's like there's so many different variables rather than do this number <laughs> and you'll be fine like it's this this feeling of it needs to be certain so embracing that learning over knowing I think was really nice because it's like about asking smart questions and that's what I would like to think I do and Sasha does with our coaching is we're not necessarily saying this is a given, but we're like, okay, let's work it out together. Let's like explore. Let's have a strategy for this. Like, where are we going if we give this a go? What's the intention behind it? Um, and then let's come together again and let's see what see what, how that panned out. Um, she said something like, people stand there in their truth or when they see someone fall down and they get back up and they say things like, God, that really hurt, but it's really important that I get back up and dust myself off and keep going again because that's so much more of a badass approach than do you know what I mean like thinking every every trip and every fall is a failure or what have you um god there's so much just as you were saying that it made me think about uh, I'll just do I'll just do one more because one you said about the not being enough thing because she's talked about that pretty much probably every clinical psychologist in the world talks about that but Marissa Peer talks about that Obviously, everyone's talking about Gabor Mate's new book and how he talks about that. But it's about, she talks about it, like I said, they all talk about how it's it's understanding why you think that. So obviously, when he's talking to Stephen Butler, Stephen, uh, Gabor Mate talks about um, addiction and how he looked at it in a bit different way. And obviously, Stephen Butler says, oh, yeah, I'm a, a I never really thought of my work as an addiction before, but now I can totally see from what you said, like I'm addicted to it. Because when you don't feel like you're worthy or enough, you feel like you have to prove yourself in other ways. And you feel like you're just trying to escape reality. And like, oh, if I'm driven, if I'm making a million pounds, if I'm doing this, then, you know, look at me, I, I am worthy of it. And Brene Brown says um, stuff like that as well. But then, that's the thing that fascinates me about all this that we've got endless streams of information saying everyone feels like that but all you have to realize is that you are simply allowed to exist you don't have to progress you know you don't have to strive you can just exist if you want but people that that concept is so difficult for people and when Mm. you're just like look I'm fine I'm actually very lucky um I've got a a steady family, I've got a partner, I've got whatever. It's like, if you don't come to terms with that and realize that you're actually extremely lucky, then you will just continue to think that for the rest of your life. Yeah. But people people just like, oh, I'll just watch one more podcast and I'll just listen to one more podcast and maybe maybe it'll flip a switch and make me realize. It's like, no, it won't. That work comes from... You, like you, you can't just watch a, mil- a million podcasts and think that suddenly it's going to change your life. It's like you've got to do it, and that's what he was and, saying on the uh, on the. And that on- leads on to a really good quote from Brené, which is "healthy striving is yeah. self-focused," mm-hmm. which is how can I improve? Mm-hmm. Whereas perfectionism is other-focused. What mm-hmm. will they think? What will people think? Yeah, and and I think that that's it. Like what we're saying here as well is like like. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve absolutely not there's there's oh. nothing wrong with that but it needs to be again it always comes back to like the intention is like 
what are you doing it for? Like, are you doing it for you or are you doing it for somebody else? Because if you're truly honest and it's for you, but you're getting frustrated that maybe you're not putting in the effort or anything like that, it's like, maybe maybe it isn't. Maybe maybe your reason needs to be like re-looked at because yeah. you know when people say like, find uh, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. But they basically means it just doesn't feel like work to them because yeah. they, they're not necessarily doing it for what other people will think, but they're doing it because it really means something to them. Whereas if you said that to somebody else who was like, well, I bloody hate finance. Why I'm just going to struggle to find a job in like that, that I love. It's like, no, I'm not saying that, but it's just like for, for those people, it doesn't feel like they're trying to, um impress anybody else apart from like oh that's interesting how can I get better at that um which I I, I do find that really fascinating because self-improvement there's nothing wrong with self-improvement but it, the self bit is key in the title it needs yeah. to be for you nobody else because otherwise that's when you'll come up against resistance and get frustrated where you're like why am I not making this progress what what is happening here and it's like have you have you reflected a mirror onto you and who are you doing this for? Why are you doing that? That's why those questions really do matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, he said something again, and I know that this isn't necessarily Brene, but it's very similar to what she says. And it's like, he said, the thing is, is we attach ourselves, we attach our own self to things. So like Jess, self is your business, right? Mm. Self, self is not you. No. I don't think it is going to, but if self failed, it's not that's not a reflection on you at all and you would obviously think it is but it's not like he was saying with this book um obviously he's doing all this advertising for this book but if the book came out and it flopped he 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 said before obviously he's 77 now but he was saying before he was just like well I would have think thought that I was a flop and he was like now it's like no it's not me it's my book yeah people didn't like the book well people don't like the book and that's the problem and we've mentioned this about um, certain fitness trends and cults and things like that before is when you make something your identity, when that identity then breaks down, you feel like it's on you. Yeah. And what's happened there is you've just placed your identity above self. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying self is in my brand. I mean, yourself. <laughs> you place an identity above self. And as soon as that happens, boom it just crumbles and I've done this is something I'm covering my te- in my TEDx talk as well which is in regards to like fitness technology as soon as you become like I'm the person who always posts my Apple Watch workouts or I'm the person who cannot break this streak yeah, it's like once, watching me and yeah, if once the identity like you miss a day or whatever happens for whatever reason or you just don't want to do it anymore you feel lost like you mentioned about that lady who stopped doing CrossFit she felt so lost afterwards and like she disappointed everyone because um, she'd stopped doing CrossFit after years of doing it. Which is ridiculous. Crazy, but it's because eventually identity has ta- overtaken self and it's like it became more bothered about what other people think rather than what am I doing here? How can I improve? What this is about? And that's so important, isn't it? Because no one else is doing that stuff for you, right? No one else is going to focus on your self-improvement or how you can get better or ask you why you're doing this. Only you can do that bit. Whereas loads of other people could tell you like, yeah, this is the cool thing to do or go do this. Like that, you could follow those things easily through life. Absolutely. But I can almost guarantee that there would be a hollow existence. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah, so that was Brené and a little bit of Marissa Peer and a little bit of <laughs> Kabor Mate. Um, okay, question from me. I'm trying, I'll try and do a fitnessy one. Let's have a look. Um, okay, is there anything you've learned about, re about recently in regards to resistance training that you've started implementing, implementing with clients uh, more often? Good question. Yes and yes. Yes and yes, double yes. Um, resistance training is any PT's bread and butter. You know, we talk about mindset, we talk about... Um, Excuse me, I hate the way that you poo-poo on mindset. No, 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 no. Hey, 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 I haven't finished, I haven't finished. No, oh, yes. I'm saying it's important, but your job, my job, a person... 25% of it, we know. ...to teach fitness. Absolutely. Who explained your job to someone in the street? If someone said, oh, as a personal trainer, what do you do? You say, oh, I teach fitness. You don't say, oh, I work out, I figure out what happened in someone's childhood and, and, and you know, <laughs> say, I teach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, so, yes. Uh, I'd say one of the biggest things I've learned in resistance training over the last uh, three or four, four years three or four years I would say maybe two to four years um is that rules are there to be broken um I think I can't believe I'm going to quote Picasso here but he says uh uh learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist and although that is extremely cheesy it's extremely uh, uh relevant to this question um mm. for example a, a dumbbell row is a dumbbell row, right? Basic, whatever. But you can put your body into so many positions to elicit a different response and to work with a different body. Um, I have a client who I would never do a normal dumbbell row with because it looks like a dog's dinner. But if I put, if I showed, uh, I don't know, a 21 year old PT just done the level three, how I did a row with her, they'd be like, why on earth, it, why on earth is she in that position? Well, because yeah. it doesn't actually matter. Those rules around dumbbell rows, deadlifts, whatever, we're all just made up. Yeah. And if you don't break the rule, if you don't break the rules within fitness and resistance training, then you will get nowhere ever. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it's, and if you think about some of those rules, what are the rules? I got a few of them. You don't need to train arms. You don't need to train abs. Um, don't bend your spine and if, unless you want to break your back. Um, you don't need to engage your glutes. You don't need to, yeah, you don't need fucking glute activation. activation. Not engage, sorry, activate, sorry, wrong even, word. Even to the point where if you look at people in the gym, there is so much effort to keep the back flat that people end up with a flat back. And you think, well, obviously that's gonna happen. And then people are so stiff. And then, you, and then you're thinking, oh, I wonder why they're so stiff. I wonder, why. oh, I know. It's probably because they've done everything in their power to keep their back flat for the last five years that they've been training. And now guess what? Their spine doesn't move at all. What you said about your injury, wasn't it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's something that I probably learned. And it's not as if it's like revolutionary. I know the question said like anything recently, 
but that's probably like for me in the last couple of years is I always thought people needed to move almost like the way that I would describe it now is probably quite static even though obviously they're moving but like I mean like they're quite static in the sense that it's like well if your back's not straight or if you if you're not pulling to that point I almost kind of like believed that to a point because you get told it as well yeah 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 but like I can even think of an instance um in the last like nine months maybe where I was in the gym and I was I've got like a really tight upper back spend a lot of my day on my computer shoulders rounded forward as most of us do um therefore like when I've been working with Sash it's something that I've said I really do need a bit of mobility in that doing some cable rows or something in the gym and a guy comes over to me and says, oh, you want to keep your back a bit straighter? And I was like, that's not actually what I'm trying to achieve, but thank you. I don't want the opposite. I actually want the opposite. Yeah, just also unsolicited advice in the gym. Yeah. Don't do yeah. it. Um, yes, but someone came over to me and it's like, I think that's it. It's like when we see people in the gym sometimes um, or anyone moving at all, I think we're all quite quick to judge, mm-hmm. but you don't know what's why someone's doing what they're doing right you could look at someone and be like that's a bit random why are they doing that or I don't do that like that and it's like yeah because guess what you're all individuals and that's why we all should be moving differently I think that's something that it it was one of my biases that I had to kind of drop which was like not everyone should be moving as as the as the diagram prescribes you know what I mean there's like this this perfect movement pattern um which is 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 so much more beneficial for the individual isn't it to be able to move in their own range yeah no absolutely but I think it's having the confidence so like the question said like is there anything you've learned that you implement it's like yeah absolutely if I'm watching a client do something and I don't know I'm like hmm I don't like that one I will say nope don't like that (laughs) um and I'll be like I don't know this I don't know it just looks a bit wrong what do you how does it feel for you I don't know it kind of I don't really feel anything and I'm like okay cool um but we kind of do want you to feel something so it's having the confidence to look at something that someone would look at and be like that's textbook it looks perfectly fine and that because I know the client I'm looking at them, I'm like, that doesn't that like right to me I'm not going to do that and um, it's having the confidence in your own ability to look at a movement and not be happy with it and and move on to something else or not do something at all like if I do have a client who is just really like stuck in extension and just almost to the point where I could try and force her into flexion and it wouldn't work I'm not going to give her deadlifts yeah yeah people will be like well everyone does deadlifts I'm like no I don't what kind of what kind of no they don't no in fact I know those people have never deadlifted in their life actually um, but for her, just drilling that more into her would not be good. But five years ago, I would have been like, well, um, well, but everyone has to do that. It's like, no, they don't. No, they don't. Yeah. Oh, it's just, there'll be something else that will be much better for that client to do. Um, so yeah, I would say that it was, it's mainly seeing the human body as it is and not as, as like bodybuilding.com uh, yeah, like, images. I think that's it describing it as like static isn't it essentially but I I um I also think like on that note about is there anything new like you said with with resistance training it is like the bread and butter we have been doing it for a really long time now so 
when something new comes along, I guess it's not very often, but also probably takes years and years and years for it to become common practice and something that is heavily implemented across the industry. Would you agree? Yeah. Because I even think about like, um, there was a video not long ago, wasn't there? there was like Pat Davison video where he was talking about the B-stands deadlift, wasn't he? That yeah. idea. And he was like, I've been doing this for like, I don't know, maybe he said five years or something yeah. like that. And he's like, can I still continue to see people do it wrong? Yeah. And it's like, for him, he's probably been doing that for so long, but it's like, it's only just sort of becoming more common. I would say I actually, apart from, I probably don't see anyone in my gym doing that. No. I mean, you know, I work in a PT studio, so obviously I'm more likely to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, and I, and I go to a bodybuilder gym. Yeah, they, yeah. if I go to my little gym, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and we have to remember that we might say, oh yeah, you know, Pat Davidson did that at b Sounds Deadlift. There's people who would listen to that sentence and be like, who did a what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just the world that we exist in. Um, but the, my, my point being is, a lot of these, whether it's a new exercise, um, a, like a, a bit of new science that comes in in regards to rest recovery uh, periods or, I don't know, tempo or hyper, whatever it might be, it's like it just takes so long to implement because it almost needs to get back in. And I guess there needs to be enough people to have, if you think about it, like an experiment, enough people to have given it a go to say it's valid, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a really important one for probably, no, not just PTs, for anyone listening, is that a perfect deadlift, a perfect squat, perfect row, a perfect push, a perfect whatever in the gym looks absolutely nothing like a position that you might find yourself in. Um, for example, let's say you people say oh deadlift is picking something up how often do you see someone pick something up like a deadlift never absolutely never you see someone picking up um I don't know for example I'm just looking at a big box that we had something delivered in when I lift that up and take it downstairs it might be quite heavy I'm not going to lift up with a fucking neutral spine am I I'm going to get my arms wrapped around it and have you ever have you ever done like manual handling training at work terrible if anything, yeah. it, is, it is like the alien way to lift things yeah. and if you want to get someone strong for everyday life you don't want them doing perfect deadlifts all the time yeah if you want to do a perfect deadlift absolutely get some weight on there do it well nice heavy six on an rdl or something but awkward object training is, is literally amazing like pick up that heavy ball there it weighs 40 kilos pick it up put it on that box up there and then pick it up and drop it have a little rest do that again people might argue well that's not going to help you build muscle it's like and and that's why we're so stuck because everyone assumes that that's why people are there everyone assumes yeah everyone assumes if you're lifting weights then you want to build muscle and everyone assumes if you're doing cardio or that is what the industry has turned it into but I I probably haven't built a gram of muscle in the last two years have I been training yeah but I'm not eating a surplus of calories and I'm not progressively overloading religiously I just go to the gym and I move and I do whatever 
does that make my training invalid to a lot of people they say oh what's the point then I'm like and that's why you will be stuck in this cycle for the rest of your life yeah. um so yeah just think like movement isn't supposed to be perfect because if it is if you do perfect deadlift all the time neutral spine load the hammies turn the hips back whatever right and you get really 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 strong in that position you're probably going to be weak in the flex position so that's that's when you start moving house and you end up with a really bad back the next day yeah. and if you train with a, a neutral spine and a flex spine and you do things in maybe a position that doesn't look quote unquote optimal they're the people that aren't going to be hurt oh yeah, yeah. i feel fine after that yeah because you're strong in both positions yeah so yeah that's probably that's probably mine just breaking the rules when you uh have confidence to do so and when you can understand the utility of movement variation good point next question is so um um i'm one of those people that uses my fitness pal to record my intake someone who likes a little bit of structure in all parts of my life otherwise i get overwhelmed and can't see the wood through the tree for the trees i'm not confident in the moment to abandon it completely i have tried and uh, um what tips could i maybe give a go to slowly wean myself off the app i'm biased um because i think in some things you just gotta do something that's a bit grim if if it's grim for that person so if it was just a random person saying that to me i'd be like fucking delete it just delete it it's as simple as that but if if it was a client it would be a different answer Mm. um because I deleted it one day and never went on it back uh, ever again and that was before lockdown that was before covid do you know what I think I've still probably got it on my phone but I couldn't tell you the last time I went on it I probably have to re-download it and the thing is, at that point in my life, and this is why I think this kind of advice can be useful to some people. I don't know this person, so I don't know. But when I deleted it, did I think about it afterwards? Probably. I can't remember, but I probably did for about, I probably thought, I probably even went to pick up my phone to add it just from instinct. Mm. But sometimes you just got to deal with the discomfort to come out the other end. So some people will say, right, so what we'll do is this week we'll track uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner for seven days, because that's what you usually do. And the next week, we're just going to leave weekends. And the week after, we're just going to... And sometimes I'm like, oh, for God's sake, just delete it. Because <laughs> yeah. like, that, that could be, again, I don't know this person, but for, for someone, making a six-week plan to get out of it, sometimes you just think, right? And then you know what? after that six weeks when it's gone you're probably going to feel exactly the same as you did if you would have just deleted it in the first place discomfort feeling a bit shit about it feeling like you want to use it but you don't want to probably the same so you can drag it on for six weeks or you can just get rid of it don't don't um and also remember these people that are i guess the people we're talking about because she just said 
have been on it have been on it for ages yeah. they don't need it so yeah. that, if you don't need it fucking delete it do something yeah. hard and just get rid of it I think it's a challenge isn't it because like we do hear that free like very very frequently so um that that control thing structure or whatever it might be yeah there's there's nothing wrong with wanting to be uh an organized or person in your life absolutely like gosh I know some clients who almost need some sort of structure in order to um kind of help them support their week but that can look different right that can look different in any way that you want it to whether that's my mum used to be very old school and have a what we were having for tea on the fridge every night of the week that was my mum like there, there was three kids in the house so it was like dish 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 and that helped my mum to have a bit of structure to her week you might think oh do you know what I like having it writing down maybe you're a list person and this why it is a difficult thing for us to pass comment on because you might think oh well maybe oh Sasha's so much more relaxed about that than than I am I need that structure and accountability but you've also got to remember like Sasha has you has used my fitness fitness pal in the past, which I is also my, I bet my day streak was longer as well. Yeah, yeah, got to a point where she, and this is a good question I like to ask clients is if they maybe come to me and they say about that that oh I feel a bit um, like reliant on it still. It's like okay, without looking at your phone now, how many how many calories was in those two Weetabix and blueberries that you had for breakfast? Oh, well, there's yeah, there's two hundred and. 50 or whatever in there okay cool why are you tracking in the app then if you already know it if you know how many calories are around about and that's that's what you're using it for you've told me it's so I can monitor my calorie intake or whatever but you already know in your head it's like why do you need that and it's like it keeps me accountable and it's like you're accountable to a piece of technology and when we verge on that weird place between using technology to help support us and build awareness in the beginning for example using a smartwatch or a chest strap to monitor your heart rate to discover your paces with running great using my fitness pal to build your understanding of what a macro is and oh that's got a lot of protein in. i didn't actually realize didn't know any of those things and, and maybe you needed that to help you get there and your understanding not everybody does some people might not everybody does but eventually that will have to come off those things will have to be removed because you can't be that person forever who's relying just like with the watch you might still wear your watch on your run but you don't need to check it all the time because you understand what pace you should be running at you don't I had a call with a client yesterday who was saying about this and she said oh, do you know what I check my watch hardly any now when I'm running I was like amazing because actually in the beginning it's quite annoying because you like stop yeah, yeah. stop, so you're like constantly like tilting your wrist and it's a bit annoying she was like I hardly ever check it now because I just know I know what that pace feels like yeah. amazing great and that eventually will happen with your nutrition where you will be like, I know if I'm satiated, I know if I've had enough carbohydrates today because actually I'm feeling flat as a pancake and I've done a workout this morning and I feel exhausted. Okay, great. I also feel like I'm a bit hungrier than normal, but I've not had any fruit or veg and I've not had any protein with any of the meals that I've had today. Oh yeah, crap. And I forgot to drink any water. Okay, great. So you've, you've built your awareness of those things, but you don't necessarily need an app because your brain is so much more powerful than a piece of technology. And you might disagree with that when you're like, well, yeah, but look at all the technology, like look how amazing it is in the place that we are in the world right now, but nothing will ever be how you feel in yourself. Never. Absolutely. And you never know. Tracking too much can also lead to 
such a reduced level of autonomy that you don't even know what fucking day it is. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, for example, I'll just use a client for example. I set a bike session for my client the other day. And then obviously it's at a sustained pace. I thought, I think it was five minutes um, work, three minutes rest uh, times three, rest five minutes times two. And I said, I don't care what damper it is. I said, I don't care what split it is. I said, I don't care what RPM it is. I don't care. (laughs) I said, all I want is um, a sustained effort throughout. And I want you to crack on because I know you got a busy day, right? And then she commented on it saying, well, the thing is, my first one was two minutes 18. And then, um, well, the next one, I just thought, oh, I'm just going to have to get it uh, to 218 uh, straight away again. I'm just going to have to follow it because I've done 218. And I was just like, oh, my God, stop looking at the screen. Yeah. Basically, people get so attached to the numbers that they forget that your body doesn't know what a 228 split is. Yeah. So it's like, you could be like, Oh, um, yeah, so I want this at a sustained pace. Basically, I want the same output every interval, right? If you did 228 per 500 in the first one and it was easy, and then you did 228, the exact same number, the exact same RPM on the last one, but it was hard, is that the same output? No. No. Is it the same number? Yes. So if I looked at the screen and it said, 228.6, 228.6, 228.6. 228.6, 228.6. Yeah, look, I was so perfect. But the last one you were flagging out your ass and the first one was easy. That's not sustained output. That's just what the number says. Yeah, yeah. And, and, a good, and a good a good example of that as well might be like, again, I know we're not we're trying to talk about not looking at the data, but say, for example, in that same instance, if it said 228.22 and you looked at the splits and you were like, Oh, amazing. But then you looked at the heart rate and the heart rate started, it was like 150. But then by the last split, it was like 180. It's like, okay, they're dying. They're not, it's not, it's not the same. Um, And I think that's the risk that we run with my fitness pal um, as an example is where you look at those numbers and you think, yes, I've hit, I've hit, like we've said about it before, haven't we, about where we've seen coaches share clients my fitness pal numbers as in like woohoo they've hit the nail on the head with their macros but it's like tell me how they're feeling tell me how they're recovering tell me if they had enough energy in that workout today tell me like those types of things and it's like that's that's the stuff that we actually really truly care about and like with this lady here it's like have you got enough energy in your workouts how are you moving how are you feeling but I think the the challenge is we think that the numbers will solve the problem it will never solve the problem of your relationship with food until you prioritize that over the numbers themselves yeah exactly exactly and you have to remember that this is why I was I probably send it to Jess sometimes but when people put on their story like on Instagram story like their my fitness pal consistency over like two months right and they're like virtually signaling like look out look at this look at this it always reminds me of what (laughs) again honestly if Matt knew how much we like quoted him he'd be like for fuck's sake but I remember I did an email this is ages ago uh, I've just got it up 23rd of August so I said um I think my email was um 
what is it called undesirable levels of consistency when baby get when you get so caught up in the the perfection like Brene Brown said how perfection is not good like we we think it's good it ain't um and I, I mean I'm not going to read the whole email for you we'll be here all day um and then he replied saying um virtue signaling consistency is a lot different he said, um, be safe in the knowledge that those virtues signaling their consistency are likely not consistent at all. Hence the fact that they feel exciting enough to share rather than it more of a mundane element of nudging uh, forwards in life over time. As in, if you see someone consistent, 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 the chances are it is so unnatural for them to be consistent that every time they are, they can't believe it themselves. So they feel like they have to tell the world. Like yeah. Jeff, you're consistent in so many things that I have no idea about. Could be anything. Like that, like I water my plants. I just again, habit, yeah, I just I just do it. There's certain things that Dan makes fun of me because I worked in Gap. I fold really well. I can fold a t-shirt better than most people I know, right? But does Instagram know about that? Yeah, yeah. No. It's like, if people are showing their consistency over and over again, like I said, it is likely that that is so unnatural to them that they feel the need to show it because they're excited about it. So oh. it's a bad thing, no, but don't look at them as- On a pedestal. On a pedestal, because they're just showing you that this is so hard because I'm trying to do this thing that's so hard. Maybe look at the people in your life that you see cracking on. And maybe have a chat to them because they're the ones who have probably been doing this for a million years. And yeah. it's not, you know, it's just it, it, like, like Matt said, it's just nudging forward in life. So, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. And I think as well, the, the risk of, of always being this person who's like bang on consistent is that you then feel like you failed if you do miss something for whatever reason. Whereas actually that's a very natural part of the process to have those I can't remember where it was I heard that I quote the other day I can't remember who it was or where it was but it was basically saying it's actually like look to the people who miss something every now and again because that's actually a very normal reflection on life like like say you have a cold one day or actually you end up missing your alarm which happens once in a blue moon but you don't get to go to the gym that morning or the delivery doesn't come to your house and you end up changing your whole day which happened to one of my clients the other day and it's like okay cool is that define her no like instead it's like okay cool we go again tomorrow carry on um I'm conscious we've got five more minutes left how many more questions have we got I just quickly add this thing in because Campbell's just um posted something about what I was saying before about if you deadlift perfect all the time it doesn't prepare you for life mm. and he said there are no wrong movements just ill-prepared tissues so you can look at someone doing the most dodgy deadlift you have ever seen. If they are experienced, it's likely that they are maybe doing it for a reason. If they're brand new and they just don't know what they're doing, then fair enough, they're just exploring, they're practicing. It will probably figure itself out over time. But there are no wrong movements, just ill-prepared tissues. Anyway, yes. Last question. Uh, last few questions. Um, have you got one? Let me have it. Yes, I have. What this is quite a hard one. What is the best bit of advice you bit of advice you've ever received as a coach? Uh, um, 
Oh, yeah, that's so hard. Um, um, probably, probably what we mentioned earlier, just because I'm going to go to that point, because it's probably easiest rather than trying to do a really long pause and rack my brains forever. But is that point about you can't fix everybody? And that's not me saying like, oh, I can't fix them. That's their problem, which we've <laughs> spoke about is a problem within the industry before, but more so a reflection on myself, which is, I have a habit of being a fixer and I like to think I can, I can help everybody. Um, and there are so many instances where um, I will do my absolute best as a coach to help somebody, but I also have to realize at the end of the day that that person needs to be able to want to help themselves as well. So I think that's like, for me, it's not, it's not like, Oh, it's on them. It's like, no, it's like, and, and that help helps me, me feel better as a coach because I need to realize that it's not always like, do you know what I mean? It's, it's it, even though it's in my nature to be a fixer and an empath and stuff like that, it's like sometimes I need to pause and take a step back and let people do a little bit of the work, do you know, like the, 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 the discussion themselves. I think that was definitely something I fell into a trap with in my early years of coaching, which was trying to give solutions left, right, and center. Solution, solution, solution. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, rather than letting people explore that themselves through conversation. So that's probably one of the big things for me. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think that's also about matching energy as well. Um, mm. I don't want that to sound like astrology, you know, Gen Z vibes, matching energy. But I always remember a time, and it will stick with me, honestly, it will stick with me forever, where um one of my old clients came back to me to start and she was in a really bad place and I was like I'm really looking forward to helping her this time because I'm a lot better than it was five years ago so I was like oh I think this will be really good she was a bit all over the place at the start and I was like whatever but I said right after a month or so I said right let's have a let's have a, a catch-up call like well, I think we need quite a, a, a deep dive into this so I prepared for it I got all sorted I went into work early so I could do it in the office so I could be focused and then I um, uh, went onto the Zoom call and I sat there with my notes and I waited and it was about five minutes. And I was thinking, no, oh, what's going on here? I waited 15 minutes, nothing, right? I got a text 45 minutes later saying they went on a bender last night, as in a drink and drug bender. Mm -hmm. so, sorry for that, Sash. Uh, we, can we reschedule? No, you fucking can't. <laughs> no, you can't reschedule. I cancelled it. And you know what? Five years ago, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, let's do it tomorrow, yeah. And I was like, absolutely not. I was like, I have just wasted hours of my time. Yeah. We have to, as coaches, respect our, our own time. And you know what? I've had clients that have missed calls that have been so apologetic. Like, I'm, yeah. sad, I'm so sorry for wasting your time. Yeah, yeah. You need to find people who value your time value your time and value you as a business not just a pt they found on instagram and i think that's it people because we are um, a people-led business i think people sometimes forget that we are a business because they just see us maybe as yeah. oh it's just it's just jess or it's just sasha and it's like at the end of the day like there are so many things going on behind the scenes where it's not just that our call that you'd set up or anything like that it's like you say it's the it's the thought processes that you put in before it of like exactly. how, how is this going to go how is this going to look how can I help this person and yeah I, I, I totally know what you mean yeah um I think and just oh, just a couple of minutes I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I've ever had a coach as a coach 
is um, start everyone with a clean slate. As in, when you have a new client and you get started, forget almost forget everything you've ever known about mm. anything. Forget every conversation you've ever had with every other client. Everything you think you know about um, dietary needs and everything like that, it's in there, but just forget it. It's almost like you're going into a white room, shutting the door behind you on everything you've ever known, and that new white room is going to be that client. Yeah, I always imagine my brain and everything that's in it on a whiteboard. The client comes mm. in, they sit down, I get the spray, I clean it, and then just listen to them talk and don't yeah. interrupt and just yeah, yeah. listen to them talk. Let them go, yeah. I think that was James Fitzgerald who said that. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, I would say start every client with a clean slate. Um, I mean, I could answer that question for a whole other podcast. So, so yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe at the beginning of the next one, we'll, we'll go into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have missed a few questions. Um, Andreas, the football position I play is either centre mid or right wing. <laughs> playing style is I'm very speedy but at the moment because I'm not used to playing sport and normally train um for long-term sustainable health I keep getting injured <laughs> um so that's where I'm at currently and the how has the precision nutrition course helped you with working with clients so um is Andreas done OPEX yes yeah yeah so I would I would imagine it's very similar to OPEX from the OPEX coaches that I've spoken to in regards to approach which is coach the individual in front of you take into consideration that there's many other factors than just data and numbers and instead like the lifestyle part the behaviors are a massive part of what makes the person the person so um yeah but I'll chat to him about that another time but yeah precision nutrition I would recommend recommend to a friend yeah cool but yeah uh we could do like half next time pod uh half Q&A just to finish the rest of the questions but it's so it's so hard to be quick with the answers when God, there's so much to say but yeah thank you so much for sending them over we really yeah. appreciate it and if anyone's got any others away. yeah absolutely right jess i'll see you in a few minutes <laughs> bye guys bye